I think there's got to be, you know, guidelines. There's got to be discussion. You got to know your kids. You got to talk about it. You just can't expect them to just sit in the other room and they're not going to do something. And uh, you got to find out what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then have have discussions with them that give them. Um, uh, it's almost like when you go bowling and you're the little kid and you have the little bumpers on the side that stays in the lane. Then, you know. Uh, keep them in their lane, but also give them opportunity to do some things that are stretching. Welcome to Weary Dads. I'm your co-host, PJ Weary, and this is your other co-host, Pete Weary, dad, with his empty polar it's water. It's actually half full polar seltzer, raspberry lime, 100% natural, calorie free. There you go. Can't beat it. Nope, don't want to. Today, we're going to be talking about kids and comfort zones. Uh, kind of a follow-up and not necessarily diametrically opposed, but a, a different look, uh, uh, a facet of the same diamond, if you will. Of last week's episode, Parenting and Pressure. And so when we talk about kids in comfort zones, uh, where do we need to go with that? What When we talk to a parent and we're talking about a kid's parent uh, comfort zone, when we're talking about a kid's comfort zone, what advice would you have for parents? So we're going to piggyback this on the whole thing about pressure last week because it was uh, pretty um, predominant in the news, the whole Simone Biles thing. Um, and we're going to uh, piggyback it because I think there is some things where we got to help our kids get out of their own comfort zones. But I want to start off by saying this. I think the way to help a young person do some things that will stretch them, they need to have a comfort zone. And these are things I think they need to have as a comfort zone. They need to have a home and not just a house, a place they can go that is safe. Because when they have that place that it's safe, it makes, allows them, okay, even if I fail at this next thing, I'm okay. I can go home. I have a secure relationship with my parents, with my family. I look at you and your brother, and um, we're not the perfect family. We are blessed beyond measure. Our God has been good and faithful. But like if Drew had something that didn't go right, he still knew he was loved by his mom and dad and his brother. And I think you felt the same way. Hmm. I know I felt that way. Even if I failed as a parent, Lisa was my best friend. You guys were my boys. I think that leads to gaining trust, which because of that comfort that I'm loved and that I have a home. Okay. And that's the last one. I am loved. I'm loved by Christ. I'm loved by my family. I can try something. And if I fail at it, I'm not a failure. I have just not done that well, but I'm good. I am mm-hmm. safe and secure in the arms of Jesus, and I'm loved by my family. Yeah, I, I and that's that's so good. Um, it, it makes me think of I've told mom multiple times, probably the most impactful statement she ever made on me. Uh, I was reading Nietzsche, and I was 16 because I'd heard he was the guy who said God is dead. Imagine my surprise to find out that he's not arguing that God is dead. He's like, well, it's obvious that God is dead, which it's not obvious to me. Um, And he describes what, and his thing was, now that we know that God is dead, what does the world look like? And that actually was really helpful for me to read. So I'm like, this is is what the world looks like without Mm. God. 
And I told mom I was reading that, and I know a lot of parents who would have been freaked out about that. Uh, a lot of parents who wouldn't, but a lot of parents who would be freaked out by that. And mom looked at me and said, uh, paraphrase, of course, I'm not worried. I know that the Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth that you need. And, uh, and that he's going to bring you back around. And that's, I'm not, I'm not worried about you reading that. I, I trust you and I trust the Holy Spirit to work in you. And that was incredible. Hmm. That was really incredible for me. Like, uh, and I think because you cannot be afraid and find the truth. So it's interesting because during that time, you know, I know when you were doing all that reading in the back of my mind was going, man, I've heard too many stories of kids going wayward. And I'm not even thinking, oh, pastors, kids going wayward. I'm just thinking kids going wayward. And I think, and then I, I remember thinking to myself, you know what? He's not my kid. Mm-hmm. He is God's child and God will do the work. And I guess I didn't say it like your mom did. I know we talked about it. It's like, we got to let PJ. You bought me whatever books I wanted. So it wasn't, you said it well, in other ways. Whatever books. Yeah, that's close. All right. Uh, and you know what's really <laughs> Most, Yeah, I wanted way more books than financially feasible. Right. You bought me most of the books I wanted. <laughs> right. I think it's interesting. Uh, we're going to take a, um, this is a true story. We're taking a uh, trip. PJ, Drew, and myself in the fall, and I'm going to show them where I was brought up as a kid, where I played Little League ball, where I, the, the uh, Norfolk Green in Norfolk, Connecticut. I worked at the country club. I was the assistant tennis pro. Sounds extremely good on the podcast. I answered the phone. Long story short is I'm taking my boys out there, and as I'm taking them, one of the things that I know is the Norfolk Library, which I don't know if I ever darkened those doors, but it is one of the most beautiful libraries in Litchfield County where Norfolk is. And really? I'm like, when we go on this trip, PJ's going to go, Dad, can we stop in there? And I know that's going to happen. But I I will say this. I think we did some of those things. We 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 provided you comfort and trust and love, but then we said, do this. Try this. Go do this. Um we made some financial sacrifices to take a trip out west cuz we felt like you needed experience not just a a trip together as a family, but the beauty of our country and different uh, ways of looking at life. If you've never been to San Francisco, there's different ways of looking at life, different ways of looking like in in Boston. Now, that's not totally putting the kid out of the comfort zone, but we opened up avenues to open their eyes Mm -hmm. to do things. There are different ways of opening up comfort zones. And just like in seeing Boston and seeing San Francisco, we saw Sacramento, we saw the Grand Canyon, I mean, the Grand Canyon will confront you with stuff. Yeah, about whether there is or not a God. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I I felt this. I hadn't really been out in nature. I'd been coding for a long time. And then we went to the ocean for a beach day with the kids. And Becky Sue took the kids, and I just went out in the water for like 20 minutes. And I just went up and down the waves and looked out at the ocean. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm like completely insignificant. And, no, and we, we uh, that took me out of my comfort zone, but it felt good because I, the if someone stays in their comfort zone for too long, then it's just a stagnant pond, and it's 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 stagnation. Who, drink, who drinks it's from a stagnant stagnant pond? P. 
people who died. That's yeah, people who <laughs> get sick. It but you know, and I don't want to get too far because I want to get back to a comment that you said, or maybe a direction you're heading. You have to have uh, a home, not a house. Uh, though a house is preferable to no house, yep. you know. Yep. Um, I think one of the things I want to touch on because I know that this is the case for um, a lot of kids, and this is why what you said is so important. You have to establish a comfort zone to push people to learn, to push them out of. And that sounds like a weird place to start, but if nothing is your comfort zone, if everything is dangerous, if everything is new and everything is constantly changing, then they're not learning, they're surviving. Yeah, they're just uh, channeling all their energy to be, um, as you use the word, a survivor. And we've met some kids like that. We've been around kids that uh, found ways to survive. And um, there, there is a lack of comfort. There's a lack of identity then. Yeah. There, I mean, and there's even if the kid comes out strong, which yeah. sometimes every kid handles those kinds of traumatic experiences differently. Mm-hmm. Even if the kid comes out strong. There's so much hurt, and there there is a fragility under some of their strength. Um, they, I mean, even just building trusting relationships can be difficult. Um, again, often we come back to this because this is what I do. But some of the most insecure people I've ever met are uh, college basketball players. On the front, on the outside, they've got this. And they got the swag and they got the game. And then, but if basketball isn't going well, they don't know what to do because it's their one place of security. They created a comfort zone and it was basketball. Right. Well, somebody did. Ah, and, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. and if they are security, like I've seen kids who struggle. They, I've seen kids that have struggled. I've seen athletes that have struggled. I've seen musicians who struggle. So I'm okay. My parents are good. I'm, I'm, I'm an okay. And it doesn't mean they're um, all right with where the direction of their uh, expertise is, but they're going to work through it and figure it out. And in that meantime, their identity is okay. Yeah. So your identity has got to be solid so that you can push people uh, out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And... There is a kind of survival of the fittest. You, like some kids just grow abnormally strong because they were gifted anyways. And they're put in ridiculous circumstances. And we see that. And I always applaud that, right? Like Becky Sue worked with a speaker who was one of the lost boys of Sudan. And if you don't know that story, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember. I believe it was Sudan. It was 200,000 boy, 2000 children, 200,000 children. And 2,000 made it out alive from the Civil War. And he was one of those 2,000. And to understand his story, they had no technology in his village. And then people showed up. uh, These warlords showed up with guns. And they saw people from a distance pressing triggers and people falling down 100 yards away. And there's just a loud noise. They had no idea. And... I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. Hmm. And and he has come and he has built a successful career in developed countries. So that happens. That that happens. And I don't want to take away from that. But that's not the way most people work. And to be frank, there is, and he would admit this, there is some luck involved. I need to, I need to check with Becky Sue and find out his name. There, there's some luck involved. There were times I remember in his story, and I can't remember the exact how how the story went, 
but I remember specifically, it's like, if this had gone any differently, I would have been dead. Oh, I, I remember it was, uh, he had somebody, actually, this, this works really well. I, I'd forgotten the story. The one, uh, uh, there were two, there was a man and a woman and one of them wanted to push him away because he was taking food and one of them had pity on him and gave him some food. He was about to die. Mm. And so even in those in situations, someone still had to reach out. And so the idea, it's just when you throw seed out onto random ground, you're going to get a random harvest. But if you prepare, that's the whole point of parenting, because you can't guarantee your kid will do anything, but you can create the conditions for your kid to grow well. And I think that's what I'm talking about. So some people will grow regardless. So we've talked about this in other podcasts, and that includes pruning, and that means doing some hard things, which is getting them out of their comfort zone. Right. You know, like, okay, I've done all that. I've prepared the ground. They have started to grow. Now I'm going to cut back and make them do something. I'm going to make it harder on them in certain areas. I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult. And sometimes it doesn't have to be difficult. It has to just be different. Yeah. Right? Something that they've not ever done before. And... Whenever I see a kid fail at something, I smile because the truth is you forget that the first few days in school, you, you know, kindergarten, first grade, you didn't know how to spell. You didn't know how to do math. Right. I mean, I had, I, I can remember uh, the first, you know, teaching kids how to do basic things in athletics, right? Stepping with the correct foot. You know, and throwing with the when you're throwing with your right hand, step with your left foot forward, blah blah blah. Those things, they, like at first, some kids struggle with that, and then it becomes this natural. And I think I said this. Um, I'm sorry. It's all I could think of is we were talking to a pastor at our church, and I knew this, but I'd never really played baseball. I played like one year mm-hmm. when I was like, and he played semi-professionally he was really good and he moved to a more rural place when he was in school and they had a he's like and they had a left-handed second baseman and i was like dad where are we and it took me a second to realize what he was talking about but i remembered but for someone who's never played baseball like for him that was just obvious you don't have a second you don't have a left-handed second baseman that's that's ridiculous for someone who's never played baseball it's like there can yeah there's there's so many things that we've learned that we don't even realize. Yeah. No, and I just think we need to stretch our kids. And I think one of the things that we did, um, you know, I think about this. Uh, your mom took you to the library all the time. Hmm. Uh, obviously, that's helped uh, with the fetish for books. But what it really did, <laughs> what it really did, is it got you to read and educate you about things outside. Just different things, you know, learning to read about different things. And one of the things is I can remember Drew saying he wanted to do something in gaming, and that was not exciting me at all. I didn't say it, you know, Drew, to, but he knows my body language and stuff. And and I, can, I, I think parents need to realize this, too. If I was born in the last 10 years, last 20 years, if I was Drew's age, I would have loved video games. I might not have gone outside and played. I might not have played. I didn't have that option. So what I did is I went outside and played ball all the time. And that does not mean I'm better because I did that. I didn't have that option. I know we've talked about this in much earlier podcasts. Not that we're that far along, but 
I mean, technology changing so quickly, part of the struggle in parenting is learning to adapt to rapidly evolving culture. And with that, where do you let your kids uh, extend themselves in their comfort zones? And how far will you let them go with with the technology and so forth? You know, Drew's the technology been... gives them so much power that uh, we were just talking about this with uh, social media, right? Yeah. Like uh, kids can do irreparable harm to themselves for the future if they post something on social media. That's something that will haunt them the rest of their lives because instead of saying something in a context where people are like, oh, that's a 12-year-old being stupid, then it's like, oh, that you can't say that in a public setting with no context. And kids don't understand the power at their disposal. And that's a, that's a new challenge for parenting. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that provides a whole different gamut of discussion, uh, getting somebody outside I think there's got to be, you know, guidelines. There's got to be discussion. You got to know your kids. You got to talk about it. You just can't expect them to just sit in the other room and they're not going to do something. And uh, you got to find out what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then have have discussions with them that give them. Um, uh, it's almost like when you go bowling and you're the little kid and you have the little bumpers on the side that stays in the lane. Then, you know, uh, keep them in their lane, but also. Give them opportunity to do some things that are stretching. Well, and I can't remember the exact terms, and it drives me crazy, but there are, there are different types of risk, and there are different types of stress. And one of them is something where, like, for instance, if I let uh, Soren climb, which I often do, and he climbs probably too high, if he falls and he breaks his arm, that's intense. Uh, not really likely for how high, but it's possible. But the, the real issue is, so he wanted to, he started climbing above bricks above our house. Yeah, that's a problem. And uh, th there's a difference between risk where he could, you know, if he falls on grass from 10, 12 feet up, he could break his arm. And that would be something that would be not uh, the, my preferred lesson, but like I, he really likes to climb and I, I want to push him in that. But if he falls on bricks from 20 feet up, and that's where we were like trying to like get him down without... <laughs> Long story. Definitely not something like he he runs really fast, and that's a much longer. He got up there, and he's 20 feet, 30 feet. It wasn't 20 feet. It wasn't 30 feet. 20 feet up above bricks. I'm like, that's a catastrophic risk. That's something that will cause problems for him for the rest of his life, or maybe end it. And so a lot of what we're talking about here is creating safe, like, you don't want to make it so that if they fail, there are no consequences. That's no good. That's, that's that lawnmower parenting we're talking about. But you also don't want to create it so that it's not safe to fail because they'll literally ruin their lives. Right. And I think of this, I think Drew uh, had a slight break in his wrist. I mean, it was a, I can't think of the right term. It was a, a hairline fracture. A hairline fracture in his wrist when he fell off a bike when he was, you know, like nine. And he was riding a bike that, I mean, I broke my thumb. Um... I think the same way, and it was a hairline fracture for like, you know, two weeks. Now, I still have tr uh, trouble with that thumb sometimes, and I go, oh, man. But that is different. Yeah. And I think we all, you know, we've talked about this with, you know, bikes and, you know, 
the whole option of getting them out and doing things. So there's got to be wisdom and there's got to be guardrails, but there's also this, hey, try some things. Well, and I'll straight up say it, and I love that you even mentioned the, the bike thing. Breaking your thumb, hairline fracturing your wrist, things that like, that's a, that's a big deal, but like, there's a reason that everyone is really pushing helmets on bikes. You know what I mean? Because if you, I mean, I, I remember there was, I can't remember who it was. It was someone at Northland where we were. They got in an accident on their bike, but they had a helmet on and they had head trauma and they literally don't remember the accident and they don't know if someone hit them or what. They were, they just woke up walking down the road carrying their bike, which was mangled Yeah, and they'd had head trauma. And if they hadn't had their, their helmet, they would probably have been dead. And they literally don't even know what happened. And that's then that's what we're talking about. And like, you know, people are like, oh, helmets are for weenies. It's like if you, head injuries end lives, like you yeah. know, it's, it's a different thing. And, uh, and, you know, I would go back to what are you doing for biking, too? Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you're riding down to your friends, maybe you're not going to throw it on. But, right, 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 right. But I will tell you, man, I he I, was he was on uh, back high back no, roads. Yeah, yeah right. it's like he was way going different. fast and yep. probably going 20, 30 miles. There's a difference between falling off at five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour and 30. And yes. I, you know, I but I do think it's good. And I think even this like. um Learning to drive, Drew, uh, and for probably somewhat for you, like, um, there were stages to that. Yeah. You know, driving the, Drew driving the four wheel a little bit, driving the uh, lawnmower, you learn some things. Why are you smiling? Oh, you know, starting with a golf cart, but we don't need to get into that. Yeah. Mom, <laughs> mom, mom, mom. But you, I think, you know, all the different things that you, you you don't just throw them out, but you do stretch them and you do try to help them get out of their comfort zones. And I think this is where uh, a big concept for me in parenting that I never really thought about before. Um, and, and Finn will listen to me and Soren listens to me sometimes. And I have parented a kid through three years old who was rebellious at times. And Soren is not, rebellious isn't the right word. Willful, and there's a difference there. It's not against me. He's just going to do what he wants to do. And he just tries to, like, keep going. Uh, something that's really important with all this discussion, at least from where I'm coming from, is the idea of flow. And I think it paying attention to your kids, listening to your kids, developing a rhythm with your kids. I literally just saw an article, and I want to read it. I read the first part of it and it was absolutely fascinating that people who live together actually develop the, uh, their cognitive rhythms actually go into sync. Um, so if you, you know, uh, the article said, whoever you sleep with in a bed, your slit, your breathing patterns become the same. Your heartbeat starts to become the same. And when you talk about kids, noticing that there is there are times that naturally lead where they're ready to explore and pushing them when they're ready to explore and not forcing uh not forcing those times when you have to be like you're like we are gonna push out of your comfort zone now but they're actually in a they're actually in a uh a vulnerable space at that point and and paying it and that and that involves not just having a plan and forcing it in it's paying attention to your kid and 
listening. And that's where we're like, even going back to like, we were talking about gifting before paying attention to what your kid is gifted at and seeing what excites them. And then when they want to give up, being like, no, 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 just push them a little bit. Just, and you, and you can do a lot more by paying attention to where a kid is at and pushing them at the right moment than setting up a rigid plan and in my opinion, right? No, I'm not like a parenting about, master. I think that's really good. But no, I think you, 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 I, I thought of right away, and this goes. This is where you, you know, using the word flow, and then you also have to understand every kid's different. So we go to the park. Finn climbs everything. Okay, sorry, Soren climbs everything. Finn follows him. Soren gets down. Finn is glued to the top, and he's afraid. Yeah, and we're talking right. about Finn is six years old and Soren is three years old. Right, the th- three years older, but he didn't want to go in as far as Soren did. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, better I with other kids though. Right. That's what we're talking. About. Finn is better with other kids. Oh no, he's what? Well, that's where I was going. They're totally different gifting, totally different emotional um, anxiety, fears, uh, drive in certain areas too. Yes, because right now every time I say hi to Soren, he's three again, folks. So we mess this up by not giving you. But Finn again is older. But he can get more fearful about certain things. Soren, right now, when I say hi to him, closes his eyes because he thinks if he closes his eyes, he if I, he can't see me, <laughs> I can't see him, and he doesn't want me to bother him. And it's interesting to me. I think it's imperative as parents we understand this. Every kid is different. Every the flow is different, and you need to not have a rigid way. We're pushing the kids out this way. Every kid has to be led, guided, and understood. And every kid has different challenges at different times. So I, I love that you brought that up with Soren. Soren, every morning, I'd say, how'd you sleep? And he'd be like, I slept good. I'm like, give me hugs and kisses. And he hug and kiss me in the morning. Mm-hmm. He did not do that for the last one to two months. He woke up and he's like, no, I will not kiss you. And if you've ever had a three-year-old, that's pretty normal for that to happen. And instead of being like, I'm going to push him in other areas, I'm like, okay, this is the time when we're working on this now. And this morning, uh, and that's not to say that I like forced him to kiss me or anything like that. It was just like, I was like, oh, okay, he's going through, he's figuring out, I can say no to people. I can say, I can cut off relationship. And that's an important realization, right? And that's actually an important skill to learn. Sometimes you have to shut people down. You can't just let them cling to you. But this morning, he hugged and kissed me. Good morning. Hmm. That's the first time he's done it in a month and two. And it's funny how, like, if I, it was about me, and it was about my own self, self-worth self as a parent, I get, like, there, I'm not going to lie, there was part of me that was like, oh, finally. Like, it made me feel terrible that he wasn't hugging and kissing me. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. It's like, no, he's figuring it out. And if you, if you have problems as a parent, like, the best thing you can do for your kids is become a better person. More than all the skills you can learn for, learn for parenting if you find yourself worth in Christ and you are content there and you get like become a better, more mature person that will translate to your kids. Yes. And the, the parenting stuff helps too, right? The different skills and advice and all that stuff that that's a compliment. But if you're a terrible person and you have the best parenting strategy in the world, it's not going to like, that's not going to work. The kids are going to pick up on what you are. If you forced him to do what you just said, Okay, come over here, give me a kiss. You could have. He would have. It could have ended up being a little bit ugly at times, but it would happen. But you let him out of his comfort zone. He's trying to figure out who he is. Like, how he's. And by the way, that is not freedom to do whatever he wants. Well, and I love that it's not. Sometimes kids will get out of comfort zones on their own and don't shut them down when they do that. Uh, Let them figure it out. Yes. 
if they take the initiative, that's even better. Yeah. Right. Because they're they're driven towards something. So, I think it's really good. I think um, I think some of the things we can walk away from with this is that we need to be aware that we provide comfort for our kids. That's probably the biggest thing I'd say, so that they can get outside that comfort because they no matter what they can come back and they're loved and they're they're taken care of. Absolutely, love it. Thank you. See you later.